Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 73, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Colin Fitzgerald and our executive producer, David Herman, as we bring you the latest news from the start of the ACHA and CHF seasons. Uh, it was a solid weekend in Syracuse. Herm, for the first time, was behind the bench for a win, which feels like a crazy stat in itself. All in all, it was a good weekend. Herm, takeaways from your trip? It took a year. It took a full year and a ton of close calls, but finally, finally, the Cuse boys pulled it out in emphatic fashion. I also learned a very, very valuable lesson in being bold with predictions and statements. Kent State forward Zach Swarecki came up to me after the first period in the first game and was like, Herm, we listened to the whole podcast for those who are not familiar about the hour 10 mark last episode i made a very very bold prediction that cuse was going to sweep no one listens to the end of the podcast and turns out that a lot of the kent state guys listen to the very end of the podcast so he and i had a good conversation after the series was over shout out to the kent state guys who are all very very clearly big supporters of the pod they were great all weekend i think they they appreciated the hospitality they had in syracuse got a couple messages from the guys that uh they love the broadcast that we had the media team the whole production we had going with the light show and everything and two pretty good crowds uh i mean we don't draw the biggest crowds here but uh it's enough to make it i'd say the bleachers were about 75 percent full this weekend so that was good to see it was good to be back and, and you know competing again i know there's one guy who's chomping at the bit to get back out on the ice right now and we'll check in on him now fitz how's it going boys are getting my blood going here listening to how the weekend went in uh in syracuse i've just been making tiktoks and lifting and playing men's league that's that's been the story of the last few weeks brother ryan's got his his last game tomorrow for the Sox. they're out in rochester so he'll be coming home soon i'll get a week with him and then i'll be uh off to birmingham and yeah like you said can't wait to go well, we can kind of cut to it now, but speaking of Birmingham, there was a, a, a huge game this weekend down at the Pelham Civic Center. Auburn gave the Frozen Tide a run for their money. Bama skated to a 6-4 win in the debut of their fresh new gray alternates with the it says Frozen Tide with the script across the front. Uh, a little similar to uh, the gray thirds that Kentucky has, I think. These were clean. I loved the way that these ones came out. Good on them for kind of keeping it a secret and debuting them for the big game, but I mean, I, I I expected this game to be a huge blowout and the Auburn boys stuck around in this game. Very gritty game. Lots of physicality, lots of pushing and shoving after the whistles, but looked like it was a great time for everything. I think Auburn as a CHF team competing against a Division One team should, should hang their heads high. And I think later on in the year, Auburn will get their chance when they host Auburn's D2 team. They'll, e- they'll be able to even out the series, but it was good to see that arena pretty packed for the game, the Iron Cup, which always draws a huge crowd. But the lead this week, um, one to congratulate Congratulate Liberty University men's division one ACHA coach Kirk Handy on recording his 500th win behind the bench for the Flames this weekend in a 12 to one thumping over West Virginia. I watched the highlights from this one. I the, the originally saw the photos from it, which were great. You know, the Gatorade shower he got in the locker room, which is so well deserved for everything that he's done for the club hockey and, and the ACHA as a whole. Just, you know, building the Liberty program up to what it is now and the facilities that they have, I think, is every club hockey team goal and he's been there every step of the way as a player there at Liberty and then you know as a coach too so we wanted to give him a huge shout out supporter of the pod too he does follow us on social media and I have uh, introduced myself to him before at nationals and he loves what we're doing so wanted to make sure to give him a congratulations for that and 
I mean, Liberty, they'll get a test this week when Niagara comes to town for Midnight Madness. We're looking forward to seeing them. And hopefully, Kirk, he's got 500 wins behind the bench and you know, all the best of luck the rest of the season here. We had a stunner in central Oklahoma this week at the Arctic Edge Arena uh, opening night for the Broncos and the Chos were stunned on home ice by Maryville. Watch this game come down to the wire uh, here in Syracuse. Herman and I were, I was watching still in dress clothes from, from the game uh, on Friday night, but Herman was on the computer. We were, you know, scavenging the web for clips and highlights to post. The Saints, they stuck it out. And I think this team is, is going to be a team to watch. They got the win on opening night. Uh, number nine team in the country being the number one team on the road. That'll be huge for them in terms of rankings. UCL got the win the next night and walked away with a weekend split. Good to see. I know last pod I was talking. That's a team to watch out for. That could be sneaky the next Lindenwood. They're building something big over there. And every year they seem to get better and better. And I think maybe some people saw them as the little brother to Lindenwood for many years. And I think now is kind of their time to shine with Lindenwood moving on to the Division One level. Interesting development. I saw a couple social media posts about this. It appears BYU is still selling hockey merchandise in the bookstore after telling the hockey program last year that they would no longer be allowed to use the name and image of BYU on their uniforms, basically ending the program. They sell shirts that say BYU hockey, and it's got the hockey sticks crossing. I did some searching and it's not field hockey because it's very clearly hockey sticks crossing, not field hockey sticks. And then they have the, uh, the classic like generic hockey jersey hoodie that every bookstore in America has. Very odd look for the school to say not only was the team not allowed to be affiliated with the school for the longest time but now that they're not even a team anymore the school is still selling stuff in the bookstore just a bizarre look my guess truthfully is that it's surplus or on sale inventory from when they were affiliated and it's just the last little remnants it's still a really really bad look on byu that they weren't willing to let such a staple of provo culture continue to exist it made no sense as an outsider that they kind of just pulled the plug so unexpectedly my guess Truthfully, is that it's a little bit more innocent than it seems. The BYU guys have all right to be up in arms about it. It's probably just sale stuff that's still out there. I think it's pretty tone deaf, especially since the team wasn't allowed to like be affiliated with the school at all. Yes, they were allowed to have the BYU logo and stuff, but like you said, Herm, it's probably just some innocent person in the bookstore who threw these on the shelves or forgot to take them off the shelves. But at the end of the day, it's tough because it's like if something's in the bookstore, it means people are going to buy it. And if people are buying merchandise for this team, why did the school tell them that they're not allowed to play anymore? It's I hope someday this this issue gets resolved, especially in the near future, and BYU hockey can make its return to the ice. Another headline, is there a Pink Whitney curse? This was a, a submission that we got. We saw that you know Ryan Whitney went down to UGA, hang, hang out with the fellas. They had opening night, defending champs of the College Hockey South Conference. They fell to Tennessee. They got two wins over Middle Tennessee, but then, you know, on the road at South Carolina, and they got swept again this weekend. So a little bit of a shaky start for the defending champs in College Hockey South. I know there was a lot of controversy last year about uh, the Gamecocks not even making the College Hockey South playoffs. So I'm sure that was on their mind when they hit the ice against the Bulldogs this weekend, but just something to keep their eye on. 
I know the Plex was rocking again this week. It fits. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. South Carolina, once again, they had a beer tower going. And not only they were doing the in-game updates, but they were also doing the in-game beer tower updates. It was just was following along with the two years story. So that was that was cool to see. Uh, glad to see fans back at the Plex in that place packing it. I uh, want to give a shout out to Jury University. They recorded their first win in program history this weekend. On Sunday afternoon, they defeated Mizzou 3-1. to one. Always good to see new programs getting their first wins. Definitely a huge monkey off their back. Want to give a shout out to the Michigan women's team. They did their blue and white scrimmage the other day, and it appears that they are rocking the Bauer React helmets with the iconic winged helmets uh, that Michigan hockey has always had. Michigan football has always had pretty much every sport at Michigan, you name it. Fitzy, I know huge Michigan fan growing up, so you've definitely seen the iconic winged helmet a lot. Really cool. I know they just had the blue Bauer helmets what the Michigan teams practice with in the past, but really cool to see the women's team who's been making great strides the past couple of years is going to be rocking this helmet. The men's and women's teams at, at Dearborn have the iconic winged helmets. Looks like Fitzy's look, there. You go. Look at him. Look, he's running away on us. And here he comes back with the winged helmet. He's all fired up and ready to go. Now, how iconic do you think that Michigan helmet is in terms of like college football helmets? I think I honestly, I think it should like kind of stay on the, on the football side. Um, oh, you don't I know, like the hockey teams wearing it. No, I, I don't. I, I know a lot of teams, Alabama, I know, started doing it. Yeah, Ohio State. Everyone started doing it, and it's like, I don't, it seemed like it was kind of just a, a football tradition and kind of stay away. I, I think it would be cooler to, like, to go with the, um, like how the LA Kings had those, uh, whatever they had. It was like a, a all white helmet or the, uh, the chrome. Yeah, the Vegas Knights went with the, yeah, it was the Chrome Vegas Knights with that like gold. I think it'd be cooler if they did stuff like that because I guess only football is like Notre Dame is known for like the gold helmet or whatever. But I don't yeah. know. I think the design should kind of, if that, wow, that's, that's, that's an interesting like take. I'm a big fan of college teams rocking the football team look. Like if we had it, the money in the budget for like orange helmets at Cuse that we could get like the football stripes and the block S on the sides. I would do that. I mean, I don't know how good it would look, but it would be fun to just do for one game and, and see how it looks like. I, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think for, for certain schools, it works for certain schools. It doesn't work. I think your, your helmet has to be like iconic, like the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Notre Dames, Penn state is another one, but Penn state it's like, can you really call a helmet iconic if it's just white with a blue stripe down the middle? Like, you know, it's not it's not the craziest design in the world, uh, but shout out to the Michigan women's team. I think that's pretty cool that, you know, they're taking a step and uh, we wish them the best of luck this season. Save of the year candidate. Fitzy, I don't know if you saw this one. Herm saw it in person. I saw it in person. I was on the bench. I immediately turned to Herm. And I said, that's going on the hockey house. Like one of the craziest scenes. I was very far away, so I couldn't exactly see it. Uh, luckily, our our social media guy Matt Beater was behind the net and got it front row seat of this. But two on one pass off the far pad. Nick Beck of Kent State kicks it out. The Syracuse player coming in just gets absolutely robbed. Full blown diving like soccer goalie style remind me of Dominic Hasek keeps the puck probably like two inches off the goal line in the air. The craziest thing for me about the save was like the game was already over. Like less than two minutes to go down by three goals and this kid still like laid it on the line to make a save it would have been insane if like they had gone down and scored and then made it a two goal game and then like we would have been sweating it on the bench there but at that point the game was kind of over but he competed to the final whistle 
Uh, I know our coach afterwards, like that is one of the greatest saves I've ever seen in person. Herm, did you have any, any first takeaways from seeing it? I know you were also on the bench too, so it was kind of tough from our angle to originally see it live. I started celebrating. I thought it went in. It was amazing. I was like, I need to see that clip on the broadcast because I can't believe that puck is not in the back of the net right now. Yeah, it was insane. It was also like we really wanted that goal because it would have made it six to two. Hey, they beat us six to two. We beat them six to two. It's all even. And then like he makes that save and we end up winning five to two. So want to give him a, a huge shout out for that. On a different note, did you guys know? I'm well. I knew this, but kids play juniors. They play high school hockey. They have to get a little bit adjusted to the ACHA rules. ACHA plays by NCAA rules. There's no hand pass in the defensive zone. I think you see it a lot in the NHL. Guys use their hands to get the puck out of the D zone. You can't do that in the ACHA because there's NCAA rules. So we had a fun little interaction this weekend. One of our freshman defensemen who was an age out playing in his first couple ACHA games makes a hand pass in the D zone. They blow it dead. We're not allowed to change. So he's up to the, he's going up to the ref like, hey, like, there's no hand pass in the D zone. He go. the ref goes, no NCAA rules, no hand pass in the D zone. And I said, Hey, can you uh, tell the girls in class that it's NCAA? And uh, that, that got a good laugh out of the Kent state guys. And, and the, the guys who were uh, near the ref, the ref even got a good chuckle out of, he told me to put in a good word for it, but I thought that was funny. Next time somebody makes a joke about the ACHA, let them know we play by NCAA rules. So you can always keep that one in your back pocket. Uh, last talking point we have to uh, San Diego state played their first games at the division one level this weekend. They fell to Colorado who is now four and on the year. The Buffaloes got the sweep over the Aztecs. Uh, but good to see San Diego State competing at the Division One level. And, you know, their home opener this weekend. Wanted to give stick taps to the guys at Fairfield for hosting the fifth annual Soap Hockey Tournament. Uh, the annual tournament is dedicated to Matthew R. Tobin, the uncle of former Fairfield hockey member Nick Lonnie. This is nuts. This is something that I would want to do. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to do this. I do not like slip and slides. I think they are death traps. Like as an athlete, like the last thing you want to do is just get hurt on a slip and slide. Like of all the things you could get hurt doing, getting hurt on a slip and slide is not on my to-do list. Herm's pointing himself. You Have you had a slip and slide accident before? No, I was going to say the way that I hurt myself is dumber than right. a slip and slide. Like that's right, what exactly. I'm trying to say. Like let's pick our battles if we're, if we're going to get hurt here. Fitz, I want to get your thoughts. You, I'm sure you saw the video. I, I've seen it for years. I had no idea this was an annual tradition. I just figured it was like a Fairfield did it one time, but the place was packed for this weekend um, and it looked like a really good time. Sneaky good school. I think uh, I've talked to a lot of guys who have friends there. Like everybody just lives on the ocean and beach houses like. That sounds like a, a great place to play college hockey. I'd be I'd be all in on it. At the same time, it's like I feel like I'd find a way to get embarrassed. And like you got all these people watching you. It's going to go viral. Like you're going to do like you, you get hurt. That's one thing. But then like on top of that, you have everyone's there watching you and it's probably going to go on social media. So it's like a, a, a double whammy, if, if you will. So but I, I'd probably play. I, 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 would. I, I had a couple of different thoughts. One, I would I would I think I would want to be the goalie. That seems like one of the safer positions and, and fun. And you're still in the game. They play with real sticks and a spike ball. Maybe a little harder to stick handle, but I mean, it seemed 
every anything's harder when you're playing on a tarp covered in soap and water. I was surprised that they don't play with the floorball sticks. That seemed like a better maybe way to do it because then a lot of the comments in the video were like, watch your toes. And I'm thinking, yeah, like if these guys are using their backups or their street hockey sticks, there's probably splinters of fiberglass there. And these guys are all running around barefoot. Like somebody had to take a stick to the toe at, at some point. So maybe we'll have to get the Fairfield guys on soon and have them walk us through the, the process of it. But yeah, it looked like a great time. It looked like everybody there enjoyed it. It was funny. I was looking for a cool video so we could post it. And all I did on TikTok was just search Fairfield soap hockey. And sure enough, there were like eight girls who had already made like vlog posts from the day. And I was just watching it. It was like, oh, this is this is great uh, and, and huge publicity for the hockey team and for a great cause. So I want to give the boys a shout out. We got one guy calling a shot this week. Johnny Jarecki says Illinois State is a dark horse this year. They are likely to surprise Maryville this week. Maryville played surprise last week when they defeated UCO. Herm, I believe we'll get into this a little bit, but this is a game to watch this week, right? This is a game to watch. And another fun fact about this weekend is that Illinois State and Maryville are playing each other at all three levels. So M1, M2, and M3, the whole weekend is just ISU versus Maryville. There needs to be a name for that. Maybe when we break for uh, the second half, we can draft up some names for this series. The Maryville-Illinois State Challenge Cup or something. Like you, They got to keep track of aggregate. Like who At the end of the weekend, it'll be like, all right, Maryville had 34 goals and Illinois State had 28, like, I don't know. They, they got to keep track of points and goals here, but that, that'll be really cool to watch. That has to be the first time that that's ever happened before, right? Like, I don't know. That one, I'd have to dig deep into the record yeah. books for. The only team that could do, beat it would be like if Adrian and Liberty played each other in men's and women's divisions one, two, three, and then divi- men's, women's one and two. That would be pretty insane, but that's, that's, really, that's a really cool fun fact. Uh, which brings us to the ACHA Burgers Blow of the Week. Jamestown Division One team beat St. Cloud's Division Two team by a score of fifteen to zero. I'm assuming it says fifteen one. Oh, your, your cursor is on it, so maybe that's why I oh. can't see it. <laughs> Can you move your cursor? I I don't see it. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay, fifteen to one, huge blowout for the Jimmies. And then the the runner up this week was DePaul ACHA Division Two. DePaul beats. Men's Division One, Northern Illinois, ten to three. Yikes! DePaul debuting their new black jerseys. I think it's the first time they've been able to use the athletic department logo on the front of their jersey too. So those are really cool. The boys are fired up for that one. And speaking of DePaul, that brings us to our guest this week, uh, Asher Motu of DePaul. Played uh, goalie for Team USA in the Maccabi Games over the summer. Uh, we've been pumped to have him on, uh, talk to him over the summer, and it's always been the plan to get him on at some point this year. And we're going to get to him in a little bit. But as always, this interview is brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is your first year is free. Be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link. The link is optimxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. That'll let OptumX know that you came to them from us and it lets them know that you're a listener of the show. Um, they always love to keep track of those types of things. So let them know that the hockey house pod sent you. Their new feature lets you add a team store to your site, sell tickets, merchandise, and even make payments. The guys at DePaul have been killing it with this. They use it for their in-game tickets, and it's paying off for the club. And we'll get to more of that in the interview. Other teams this week who have hopped on the OptumX train, the Stockton Ospreys and Michigan Women's Hockey. The club hockey world is buzzing about OptumX. Be sure to get your team signed up with them today. And now, our interview with Asher Motu. 
We're pleased to be joined by DePaul Goalie, a member of Team USA at the Maccabi Games. Asher Motu, thanks for hopping on with us tonight. A lot of listeners come on the show recently, which is great to see. We're happy to have you here tonight. Yeah, big fan of everything you guys do. I'm super grateful you guys finally were able to get me on. And, you know, I'm really pumped to kind of share my story and some of the things we've been doing at DePaul Hockey. So thanks for having me. Yeah, we're psyched to have you on. I guess we'll get right into it. New jerseys this week came out. We posted about those. Uh, I know it was a big deal. You guys worked with Jog. Uh, I understand that this is the first time you get, you've you been able to use the Athletics logo on your jerseys before. So the guys are pretty pumped about that. Yeah, I, it's a big deal. We had a, you know, we had a whole club sports turnover. Like, obviously, we're not under the athletic department kind of situation. And so a whole new board came in and they kind of helped us out. We told them, like, listen, like, you guys got to give us more flexibility here, not just with the jerseys, but with a lot of stuff that, you know, we want to be able to do. They got it up to the higher up somehow and finally we were able to kind of get approval on that and a bunch of other stuff and we got a lot of graphic designers on the team and we kind of took it full steam ahead those guys came out with a sick design and actually uh a big acha guy bro designs on instagram kind of helped us out as well and I took it, submitted it to Jog, and we got right on that because we the moment they let us use that logo, we were not going to take that uh, lightly. And so we, we really wanted to turn it into something special. So what was the turnaround? Like, at what point did you guys hear that you were allowed to use the logo? How quickly did you guys get a design together? And then I'm assuming the jerseys arrived last week, right? Yeah, we got the jerseys last week. And honestly, it was probably a year in the making, right? Like, that whole new board came in probably last spring. First thing I brought up was, listen, like, we, we want to use our logos like our jerseys are kind of bland and he took that and once he gave me the okay there like we reached out to the bro designs guy we had a couple other guys you know we had, we had a couple designs in the works we have a couple retro logos at school we finally decided like listen let's just use the demon head it's a pretty sweet logo let's see what we can make out of it so once we came up with that black design we we ran with it i sent it to jog we use jog for everything they're awesome i don't know if you know other teams are looking for suppliers but they're really good we work with a guy named adrian he's on top of it and I got it to him and they've been pretty busy. So it definitely took him two, three months to get it to us, but finally got them. We're super pumped to reveal them. We actually wore them before the reveal. We, we we couldn't wait for it. So we were finally able to get it out. We were pretty pumped about it. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys have also been making headlines too. We're, we're huge fans of Optum X here. I know they've been huge supporters of you guys. You guys have kind of been rolling out the new features on your website. How much of, of a part do you have in that? So in terms of the design, I'm going to give a big shout out to our uh our graphic guy that's alex kw is what we call him and he's all over it right like i i kind of give him the works of what i want on there but he takes it and runs with it and john at optimex he's awesome right like I'm a huge guy, like supporter of people who want to support the ACHA, like make it easier for us. And a big issue that we've had is like tickets and front gate stuff. And that the moment they came out with like that whole feature, it's just like, wow, like they're really kind of thinking about everything here. And so they, they've been huge for us. I think we're going to be one of the first teams to use them to like sell replica jerseys. We're in the works on that right now. We've gotten a lot of requests for those. So we need the money. We need the fundraising dollars. That's a big thing for us. And so, you know, the more we can raise and the more we can do, like John has totally been very, very helpful. And I think the website looks sick. I think everything they do has been awesome. And yeah, I mean, it's made our lives a lot easier. And I think that that was the whole purpose of why they did this. And so it's something that, you know, I'm very appreciative they've been working so hard on. 
And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys used it for Greek night the other night. Uh, how did that go? Did you guys get the turnout you were hoping for? We got probably the biggest turnout we've ever had at a game. We tallied a thousand people. We've never had, and I don't know if you've ever been to Johnny's Ice House West. Like that place with 500 people would be unreal. And we had that, the stands were packed. The front, like we don't even have people at glass level, but they had nowhere to go. We actually were able to set up a dollar beer night. So I think that that helped with a lot of it. We had every single sorority and fraternity out there. It was a huge success. We gave it to Bradley and I think, you know, they don't really know what the hell they're watching. So when they see a lot of goals there, everyone's getting hyped. Everyone's like yelling, throwing shit. It got a little chaotic. That was something that we worked really, really hard on. And shout out to all like the exec board guys. Like we really dug deep to try and like turn that into something special. And we we were able to do it. And in terms of money, like we've never made as much money in, in a front gate. Like we're talking 600% more than we've ever made. And so it was special, like definitely something we're going to keep doing. And we got a lot more nights coming out. I don't know if they'll be as successful as that one, but I mean, wow, was it pretty cool. Yeah, that was a big thing we, we've talked with John recently is just like the capability with the website now, teams can just start making money. Like never before has it been this easy for teams to just kind of get settled in, have it all in one spot. And like you said, now that you guys have the jerseys out, talking about selling replicas through the website, like it is all in one place. And some people come up to us and they're like, oh, like, are you guys just promoting them because they're sponsoring the podcast? It's like, same reason you just said, we're doing this because they're in the same boat. They're trying to pull out the ACHA trying to promote the CHF. We're all in the same boat here. They are a huge help. Dude, I I mean, I can't even begin this. Like, I know you guys probably get it a lot, but the things you guys have done for like the entire league, the things that companies like that do, your buddy even said it when I texted you, like that my brother found that quote on TikTok. Like, I mean, we're like, we don't get help, right? Like, I mean, we're grinding every day, thinking of every possible idea to try and get money and for them to kind of make it like so simple and kind of deliver stuff like by hand, like it doesn't get much better than that. And I, I mean, there's some big programs that have their own system, but for teams that are looking to grow, like there's really no better option to go with them. It helps you establish like, you know, you can pull data. Like that's the biggest thing that that we've gotten to do. Pull data. Like what game does better? Why does this game do better than the next game? Right? Like who's coming to our games? How many like, you know, certain sections and how many students, how can we increase that? So that's a big thing that, you know, we've never gotten to do and taking all that and applying it to like, okay, how can we continue to go up? How can we get better? That's something that honestly, like giving the capabilities to us like that, like it, it's honestly amazing. Yeah, it's been quite the start uh, to the season for you guys at DePaul. The reason you got on our radar is from uh, what you got to do over the summer, represent Team USA overseas in the Maccabi Games. Walk us through how you got involved with that. Was that something that had been on your radar? Did you have somebody reach out to you? Were you reaching out to people? How did you get involved and ultimately be a part of the gold medal team? So it's honestly a crazy story. Like I, like I had a brother, uh, my old, so I come from a hockey family, four siblings, and at one point we all played hockey, but the ones that really stuck it out was my my oldest brother, he played Division Three at Plymouth State. And my youngest brother, who's probably the prodigy of the family, plays for the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL. He just got back from the Washington Capitals main camp. Like the kids go on places, obviously. But during the whole COVID year, like that, that's kind of where I've, you know, kind of got in touch with this guy because me and another member of my DePaul team, they, they shut us down, right? Like everyone was getting shut down. And guys like us, like, I just like, I can't sit here. Like, I, this is miserable. Like, I want to go play hockey. And so we hopped on the Chicago Cougars 
this, which is a USPHL team like close by. And it's funny because my brother, all of Canada was shut down. And so my brother actually, like he couldn't go back. So he came and hopped on the Cougars. The kid put up 47 points in eight games as a defenseman. I mean, he's absolutely disgusting. He brought his WHL buddy who's represented by the same agency. So we were a loaded team. That's kind of how this all started because we were at a showcase or something and the coach of the team, Michael Gershon, he uh, he coaches at Chatham University. It's the division three school out in Pittsburgh. And I think he saw me there. He was talking to me about coming to school, but he was like, listen, I'm I'm running the Maccabi team and you know, you should come try out. What I didn't know was that, I mean, that thing was packed. Tryouts was crazy. It happened a whole year before. He's the one that kind of reached out to me and I was like, wow, you know, my brother got to do this. They didn't win. USA's never won. Like I, I've been to Israel once, but like to kind of go back, put on, you know, I don't know. I never probably will get the opportunity to put a USA jersey on my chest again. Let's go to tryouts see what this is about went there obviously made the team we they brought like 30 goalies out like that that thing was crazy i think they generally had an idea of who they were going to take there was a lot of other acha goalies out there uh one division three guy who was actually my goalie partner jared bavarnik who who was an absolute stud but yeah so that's kind of how i got involved and yeah that was crazy i I mean the entire thing i'll just jump right into kind of how it was like i mean there's really no like words to kind of describe playing on an all Jewish hockey team. I think a lot of the guys listening here will know, you know, if you have Jews on your team, there's not, there's not many of us, right? So to kind of go and the kids I played with were some really phenomenal kids. We had division one guys, we had division three guys, we had the fives, I think it was five of ACHA guys, pro guys from Finland, Sweden, like a couple guys that played out in like the Israeli elite league that were pretty dominant. It was a, a really cool thing that I got to go do. And, you know, it wasn't just about the hockey, right? Like we got to hear some amazing stories. We got to tour the entire country and we got to learn about, you know, what is it that we, you know, that allows us to do this. And then I say that because we were, uh, we were listening to a woman who they brought in and kind of, it was like a panel thing. And she was one of the, she's one of the last World War II survivors. And she kind of looks around the room and starts crying. She's like, you guys don't understand. 75 years ago, we were fighting for our lives and to look around the room and see a bunch of Jewish American athletes get to come to a country they can call home get to have an experience where they can play a sport free, not worried about walking outdoors and being killed. And like that kind of hit hard, right? Like this is really something special. And that that happened sort of at the beginning of the whole thing. And I think it really changed the experience for a lot of us, to be honest. Yeah, I can only imagine. Like, I, I think like you mentioned, so many things go into it. You talk about the COVID a year ahead of time, like planning this team. And you're just like, wow, I'm going to get the chance to represent USA and go over and, and, you know, play with guys, you know, who are Jewish and then all of that. And then just to put it even to more perspective, once you get there and hear stories like that, that must have been an eye opening experience. Eye opening. It, it wasn't just a bunch of Jewish guys, right? Like these were good freaking hockey players. Like I got to play with a bunch of guys, you know, but one of my best buddies, Alex Krause, he's at uh, Dartmouth right now. The kid was an absolute stud. We had a bunch of kids playing D3, bunch of guys pro, like I said, and it was one of the greatest hockey teams I think I ever got to play on. I mean, we dominated every single team we played it wasn't even close and i think you know we're what the coolest part about the whole thing is like we're gonna have a legacy now like we're the first team to ever do that we're the first usa team to ever win every year canada gets like the gold medal usa is always second so we finally were able to break that and we didn't just like you know it wasn't a close game the first game we beat canada 9-1 and then in front of eleven thousand people we dog them 5-1 not even close like 
it was something that like I'll never forget, right? And I I didn't even, you know, I, I got to play the semis and we were just basically rotating. I didn't even get to play the championship game, right? And but at that point, it's like, who cares? Like you're just you're a like brotherhood and like the bond that we had. We were only together for a month. We met each other four days before we flew out there instantly. We, I mean, because I think we all obviously we were there for a purpose and like just like what we had in common. Right. Like, I mean, it, it was something that you don't really ever get to experience often. So it, I'm very grateful. Thanks to the entire like, you know, Maccabi crew and the other the next one's in three years. So I, I'm sure they'll try to get the boys back together and go rip another one. How many times did you watch Miracle before you got on the plane and left? <laughs> yeah, I think that that was probably the most watched movie, like uh, on the buses going around. We were in the hotel rooms, like just ripping it and probably five or six times. I think the boys got pretty pumped over it. Our coach, I will say like our coach really kind of brought out the best in us. Like at the end of the day, like we're there for fun, obviously, but when it was time to lock in, like we, we locked in and that guy made sure that we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. We were on the ice grinding and when we were not, he gave us our free time he let us do what we want i mean we're, we're in a beautiful country i don't know if, how many listeners ever been there but some of the places you know western media it's kind of got it all screwed up right you think it's like a whole you know shithole but really it's probably one of the prettiest places i think i've ever been and especially tel aviv that's where we kind of went out and i mean it was definitely it, it was a beautiful place it was an awesome experience and everything we got to do there like something that you'll never forget yeah i think it's cool too because i, I would have to imagine most of the guys playing on the team that was their first time representing team usa right like because you know like you look at like the world juniors like those kids grow up playing on the national development team you know then they go to the olympics like those guys have kind of grown up wearing it do you think it was extra special for those guys you know you know at this age getting to wear it for the first time yeah for the first time and for most of us the last time right like i mean listen we're good a bunch of good hockey players but we're not you know like you said we're not on ntdp we're not going to get to play for the world juniors the olympics a lot of us kind of looked around the room at that first meeting and we're like you know we'll never get another opportunity to do this and everyone kind of took the opportunity and ran with it and that's what was most like best thing to see about what we were, were all able to do because it's like we're never going to get to do this again right like i mean whether you go back or not like this is our olympics this is our world juniors and you know everyone kind of ran with you know the opportunity and it was something that you know looking around like we all kind of the first day we all went around we we're like why are we here why are we here right and everyone's like we're never going to get to put that jersey on you're never going to get to wear the stars and stripes and it was definitely something that i think everyone took but you know not for granted definitely was it similar to the olympics like was there an olympic village like a, a village where all the athletes were staying did you guys have a lot of downtime were there any situations where you thought you might get stranded over there and lost from the group like what were some what were you guys doing on your off days off so there wasn't many off days especially in the first two weeks like you know we were touring we were there to learn you know not just play hockey but we were there to learn about our culture we were there to learn about like what makes us like us right like where did we come from and so the first two weeks really really busy lots of touring lots of hiking up at six in bed at 10 p.m like i mean it was a bag a lot of you know a lot of the older guys were like screw this what the hell is going on but after those first two weeks yeah we had a lot of downtime we were living in like an olympic village style like complex which was really cool you 
got to see, like, we got to see Brazil, South Africa, Canada, Finland, all these countries and all, you know, not just hockey. There was a bunch of other sports and, you know, meeting and talking to all those people. Like you got to kind of get out of your shell and be like, wow, like, you know, we're so used to what we're used to, but learning about what everyone else gets to do. It was definitely something that like, like I keep saying, like, cause there's really no other words. Like you're not going to get to do that again because the whole event, the entire country shuts down. An entire country shuts down for this. I don't know if, you know, a lot of guys don't know. It's the second largest like sporting event in the entire world. The first being the first being the Olympics, obviously. We moved to a different hotel and that was probably the nicest hotel I've ever been to, right? And we, we were lucky. We were we were with a lot of like the women's team, a lot of volleyball teams. And so, you know, we had a pretty good time. A lot of downtime at that point. Like we would show up, we would practice. For a little bit, it was, we only played five games. Right. Like it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that on ice intensive in terms of in terms of games, lots of practices, but like in and out of the games, we're at the pool, we're ripping the clubs. We had a kid from Israel. So we were able to get tables at the, one of the nicest clubs in, in the entire country. And that was something that was like, wow. And we went there probably five, six times, just that one club. It's on the beach. Very beautiful. Like, especially after the, you know, the championship win, you know, we walked in with our jerseys, our gold medals on, and we're all walking to the table. We look behind us and like just crowds of girls are fucking coming with us. We're like, wow, like this is pretty freaking cool. Cause they, they, they don't know what they're seeing. They're, they're, they got hockey jerseys and gold medals. And it was like, who the hell are these guys? And we got a lot of downtime eventually, but at first, no, it was, it was an absolute grind 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Like I said, and very grateful for it though. Like, like I wouldn't have gotten to hear stories like what I, you know, spoke on earlier from the world war two woman and. It, it was something like, you know, it sucks in the moment, but it sucks together. We're, we're doing it as a team. And at the end of the day, we're getting to learn about, so, you know, they went through prosecution, right? Like we can survive a little like, you know, bag for two weeks. And like, that's what it was. But like, I mean, at the end of the day, like you feel like still doing that, you feel like a pussy because it's like, wow, like these people really went through something. And like, if we're complaining about this, like what the hell? Yeah, exactly. So we'll rewind here now that we've hit all the all the recent stuff. Did you grow up in the Chicago area? Is that where you played youth hockey? Yeah, so I grew up in Highland Park, Illinois. It's a suburb probably 25 minutes outside of the city. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people might know what it is. It was the home of the 4th of July shooting. And honestly, that was an interesting story because we were in Philly for training camp for uh, Maccabi and I got off the ice and I was like, my phone was blowing up. My buddies, like I got friends and like family, like texting, are you okay? Are you okay? People I haven't heard from in years. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, and then I pick up the phone and my, cause my mom's calling me. She's like, our town just got shot up. And I was like, what? And like, that was pretty messed up, obviously. But like, I think a lot of people, unfortunately now know what it is. And so I grew up there, grew a big Highland Park guy. Like I went to Highland Park High School. That's where kind of my family, you know, that's where we had our roots. Grew up playing for the Highland Park Falcons. And then when I was about a Bantam, I went over to TI, played there for two years, played my U16 year, went over to CYA for my second year U16. And, and this is where stuff kind of gets interesting because after that year, I actually had double hip surgery. Uh, me and my brother went through it at the same time. Uh, my younger brother, Simon, and we both had it. We we both had to miss our years. He missed one of his biggest years ever, U, U15 at the time, because that was brand new. And I mean, that's huge year. And I, I was going into my first year 18, right? Like I hadn't made a junior team yet. I had a lot of interest from like the James Old Jets, but it set me back, right? Like that was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to overcome from. And I mean, I could speak on it more later, but after that year, after I kind of figured it out and that was the longest year ever, right? Like I, I got to see a team. So I was supposed to play for the Chicago mission and I got to see a team 
that I was supposed to be on make a huge run in nationals. And, you know, obviously I was excited for everyone, but it's like, fuck, like this sucks. And, you know, I want to speak on it at some point, but like, you know, I ran into a lot of mental health stuff, right? Like it it sucks going through that shit. And, you know, I don't think people really talk about the whole mental aspect of hockey or being a goalie in general. And it took me a little bit to dig myself out of a hole, but I finally was able to do it. Went back, played my second year, or I guess technically my first year, but, you know, second year U18. And I absolutely had a lights out season, something that, you know, I I think I put up the highest stats in the league. Like some of the other goalies that are on that list are playing in the yellow. Some of them are committed to division one schools and now playing there, or some of them are in the AHL. And I had a big year and that kind of got me on the radar of a lot of teams. I, I had a verbal commit to Ferris State. And after that, like I ran into like more, some more uh, kind of mental health issues. And you know, I'm a kid that's kind of struggled with that my whole life. And, you know, I'm not really afraid to kind of talk about it. I've gone through a lot. And I think that especially hockey players and guys in general, we just have a stigma about that stuff. And I, I'm sure the goalies listening will know lift the mass. It's a big goalie community that kind of really centralizes on that stuff. Uh, I think like guys like Scott Darling and Carey Price are like working over there and they, they've they done some amazing things. But after that mission year, I, I actually, I lost the verbal commit at one point. So that's kind of, I think where this all started. And I was almost on the verge of quitting, right? Like I, I, I sort of did in a way, like I went up, you know, I went up to Madison to, to hop on the Madison Capitals USHL team as a third goalie, right? Like, it, it's not even on my EP. I, I was a practice goalie there. And that's kind of where I refound like myself, I want to say, because, you know, I, I was going in there like 250 pounds. For reference, I'm like 215 now. I'm in probably the best shape of my life. But no, I, I really lost it, right? Like, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I was like, I falling apart. But I think and I'm very grateful for the opportunity that Madison gave me to come out and Honestly, it, it, it almost took my career off because they were so bad that year. This was 2019, 2020. They were the worst team in the USHL by a long shot. And the coach was so sick of it. And I started playing like unreal at practice. Like, I mean, these guys were vouching for me. I, it's so, like, I, 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 like, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I was just showing up because they were letting me come. And like, like these, all of a sudden, like the coach pulls me in. He's like, listen, you're going to play against Youngstown. You're coming with us to Ohio. What? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? So I'm in there doing all the concussion testing, doing all, all the physical stuff. And in the coach's office for about two hours, and like, we're about to hop on the bus. The guy comes in. He's like, listen, we just traded for Christian Stover, who I'm not sure where he's at now, but the kid was an absolute stud. He's like, listen, we're not going to bring you with right now. And I'm a guy that believes that everything happens for a reason, right? Like my dad was in Kitchener watching Simon and my dad came all the way down to Ohio because like, I mean, I really was going to start. Like they really were about to play me some no, like nobody who obviously like, I had a good track record with the mission and whatnot, but they, you know, they just brought me on because they went and they were like, listen, we need a practice kid. We, you know, we know you, I, I knew a couple guys on the team and it almost turned into something that was amazing. But it, in a sense, I'm glad it didn't because that kind of was like, shit, I, I, I'm i not doing this. I fucking hate Madison. The taking co- like classes at a community college. I was like, fuck this. Like, I just want to go home. And that's kind of where I found DePaul. I had a good buddy. I grew up Jackson Leptic, who's also the same kid. We could talk about it in, like in a bit, but the same kid who kind of came up with the Chicago Cup idea that me and Joe were setting up. That's how I found DePaul, right? And like, I, I, I came home second semester semester of freshman year and that's kind of where everything kind of changed at first i was like holy fuck i'm playing acha hockey d2 i i was like what the fuck have i been doing with my whole career like what the hell is going on but looking back like i mean 
I'm glad that all that happened, right? Like I, I took the opportunity of coming here and I kind of, you know, that's why I commend what you and the entire like hockey house crew has done. Like to me, I wanted to grow to Paul, right? But it was, I guess in the bigger picture it was about ACHA hockey, right? Cause like I've talked about, I come from a family of pretty like high level athletes. Like I said, my brother played D3. I had a other older brother played division three football at Norwich, which is obviously a great hockey school. They're also a pretty great football school, younger brother in the OHL. Right. So my family's like, what the, you know, fuck you. You're fuck this. Dad was always been my biggest supporter and he just wanted to be happy at the end of the day. But, you know, obviously I felt like I kind of let everyone down. Like, fuck, I, I was a mission kid and like, you're supposed to fucking be playing D one. And, you know, I felt like yeah, I let everyone down, but I kind of was like, listen, like this is where I am right? Like uh, I can't change it and I can make the most of an opportunity. And when I got here, I think the program had 200 followers on Instagram. Not that it was like in shambles, but I mean, it was guys getting on. We had six 27 year olds who were in the military, just like playing pickup men's league with us. And like, I was like, what have I done my entire career? And I played seven. So I hopped on halfway through and of the like 10 games that we had left, I played seven, had a 935 and my goals against was like a four, eight, which means I was seeing like 60, 70 shots a game. I mean, we got into playoffs and that's kind of where I was like, shit, like, you know, let, let's take this and run. So the next, the following year, like I hopped on the exec board and I had great people above me. I'll, I'll give Cam- Jake Camp and Jake Bolger a shout out. Like those guys really kind of mentored me into how do we do this? How do you run a program? Cause that, that's not, you know, like that's not easy. And I think I've learned more doing this than I have in school combined. So I've gotten to actually run an entire hockey organization and my story like it's not done like i i want to keep going and the things that we've been able to do at the paul the recruiting that we've been able to bring in there's a lot of kids on this team we grew up playing youth hockey together like really high level like hockey players we you know billy passion played in the no j chris lee who we just got this year played uh in the ehl I believe it's a chippewa steel i don't know if it's still a team but they, they were in the null michael health honestly one of our probably our biggest stud on the team. And like, we all came and we all came to this program and like all of a sudden the pieces started falling together. And I was like, listen, I got the guys now let's, let's do the rest of it. Somehow, you know, a program that was probably not well known. And I'm not saying we're the biggest program, definitely not, but I think definitely our name has been out there a lot more for us to, for example, sweep a division one team like last weekend, like no one could ever have envisioned something like that. And I can touch like on more of kind of the stuff that we've done, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's my story. Like, and like, it's not over yet. Right. Like I'm not ready to stop playing. I'm, I'm a junior last quarter, but COVID screwed shit up. Like I want to play my four seasons here. I've only gotten to play two. I think I'm going to try to go to grad school or maybe law school so I can, I'll play another season after this and hopefully one more. And that, you know, I, I'd love to get my four seasons and continue kind of doing what, you know, what I've been doing, which is really trying to grow something like really special. I agree with that statement. Firm believer and everything happens for a reason. I remember talking to my dad about it when I was, you know, looking for schools to play at. And he was saying, well, yeah, you know, you, you can play juniors another year and, and, you know, maybe go to a small D3 school here in the Northeast. And, you know, that would be great, but you probably wouldn't have the, the same impact you would have if you went to a bigger college. Now we're on the club team where you're running the things you can, you know, have more say, you can be a part of the change, you can do all that. And 18 years old at the time, I had no idea what that meant. And now look 
looking back on, I'm like, wow, it's crazy. The things, like you mentioned, the things that I have experienced in a leadership position running a team in the ACHA are unreal. The couple things I want to touch on, you mentioned the mental health thing, and I think lifting the mask is a huge thing. Talk about as a goalie. I think I, I read a USA art, hockey article uh, a couple years back about, you know, there is a stigma around goalies. You know, goalies are different. Goalies are yeah, weird. We're, we're psychopaths. Like, a I different mean, that's breed. Just... Like as someone who went through mental health battles, like how does that weigh on you that like, it's like almost like, oh, I'm it's supposed to be different. Like, you know, it, it is a lonely position that at times, like how do, how do you battle that? And how does an organization like lifting the mask kind of help you through something like that? I think like I was thinking about this like the other day because we were playing NIU, right? Like that's a division one team and we were lighting this kid up, like lighting this tendy up. And my goalie coach comes over to me. He's like, the end of the day, like, but this kid, I, I'm not, this kid played good. Like, I mean, we just were dominant and that team just wasn't able to have any answers. And we're, I mean, we're talking, we probably put up combined in both games, probably 150 shots. Like we were all over them. And my goalie coach comes up to me. He's like, I mean, you got to feel for this kid, like goalie union. And I was like, that just hit hard. That's what is so special about lift the mass. And like you said, like, I mean, we're psychopaths. I think everyone listening to this is going to know like goalies are weird, right? There's something wrong with us. And I think that we all embrace it. And part of it, I mean, we're under pressure all the time, right? Like, I think we all know, like, you know, everyone makes mistakes, but a goalie makes mistakes, the puck's in the net. And that's something that I think through like, whether it's just that example or like in the bigger picture, it's like that stuff kind of messes with you, right? Like, I think like, you know, I, I was talking to my brother this summer and honestly, I, I want to just, you know, my last season at DePaul, like, you know, we accomplished something great, but, you know, as an individual, I thought it probably was one of my worst seasons in four or five years of playing hockey. And it's like, listen, dude, you got to stop with all the pressure you're putting on yourself because you go out here and you're probably like, wow, like, you know, you're so above the, this level in D2 and you're, you got to stop every puck. Stuff like that, like builds on you. you. Like the mental aspect of the game for everyone, right? Like it's so big. It's so important. And like, I was listening, I'm a big meditator for guys that, you know, or maybe struggling and stuff. That's kind of the biggest, one of the biggest things that's really helped me. And I, I listen to the app, this app, it's called 10% happier. And this guy, George Mumford, he, he trained people like Colby and Michael Jordan taught them how to meditate. He said a lot of things that have stuck with me, but one of the biggest is like, when you go into a game, like 90% of it is the preparation. 10% of it is actually the performance, like 10% stuff like that is kind of how personally how I got out of a hole but that just shows kind of like what the position entails right like we're our own creatures we got that whatever it is four five by seven whatever the dimensions decreasing that's our home we don't go anywhere organizations going back to it like lift the mask kind of recognize like listen like these kids and on and off the ice right like my issues haven't always been on the ice like I've you know my parents went through divorce like I've, I've had plenty of stuff off the ice that has kind of screwed with you but that's why I love hockey so much because when I get to the rink and I learned this at a really young Young age and shout out to Hunter Weiss, who probably is never going to listen to this because this kid's playing Notre Dame and you might never hear me say this, but his dad changed my life. He walks into the locker room one time. He's like, you guys need to understand something. When you walk into the rink, nothing else matters. You are here to play hockey and all the outside stuff, deal with it later. And you're focused on one thing. I've taken that for a lot. And he said that to me as a might. And that stuck with me all the way to this point. And I think that's, that's why goalies are so different, right? Like, because if we don't, if we don't figure out how to stay in the moment, like we're screwed, like we have no chance. And so, and you can't hide out there. You're out there the whole time. The only way to hide, you get yanked, right? So no one wants to get yanked. So I think like just really touching on like, 
how big the mental aspect is of this game. And it's sad in a sense to me because that's why I feel so like honored to be able to kind of say this stuff because not a lot of guys do. And it's the same thing that goes with like, I just think about like the Kyle Beach story and like not a a lot of guys, like guys feel like they got to hide stuff, right? Like it's the stigma. We play hockey. We're supposed to be these tough motherfuckers. And and we are, we are tough motherfuckers. But like at the end of the day, like we all got shit going on, right? And the more we're able to kind of use our community and like the goalie community for this instance, like that's kind of what really helped me because I reached out to the guy, right? Like I, I was a senior in high school. Like I said, about to quit. There's a bunch of other shit going on, but like they kind of brought me into their family and that's kind of where I found, you know, like, wow, like we're, this is a union, like, you know, Ford's defenseman, you guys got your own stuff, but like, wow, like we're in that net and you know, there's something special about, you know, what we do. And so that's kind of why I'm such a big advocate for this. Now, you mentioned it already, but I guess we'll, we'll cut to you. What's your welcome to the ACHA story? Like you said, those you you joined second semester. You played in seven of the 10 games that they had left. What was kind of your introduction to it? You mentioned, you know, having 27-year-old military vets on the team. What was your like, oh, like, this is a lot different than I thought? <laughs> okay, honestly, it's going to sound stupid, but it was the first, like, I hop on the ice and, you know, we, you know, we went through a couple coaching changes, but the guy that was there with my first year, like the first warm up drill, he had these guys on the goal line individually skate down to basically like the close hash marks, ripping clappers. That was his warm up for us. I've never seen this in my entire life. It's not a game that was where welcome to the ACHA. It's not like a funny party story. These guys ripping freaking one timers in front of you like as a warm first row i was like what the fuck is going on like it, it sounds stupid but i was like holy shit like what the what, what is what is this and so the pandemic comes you guys obviously don't have a season now did you stay enrolled at the paul and then sign with the cougars no i that's that's why i'm a last quarter junior right now and i'm not a senior because i you know i took time off like i i kind of told my story and i guess what people you know are probably going to take from that is i never really had the junior experience and like i wanted to make the most of that opportunity i i got to obviously you know stick with the capitals for a little bit but nothing you know i wanted to make the most of my opportunity so i dropped out like of school for the quarter and you know that was probably the best decision i ever made i focused entirely on hockey didn't have to worry about school didn't have a bunch of responsibilities i got to show up to the rink five days a week for practice literally just rip junior hockey and finally get to kind of live out a dream that i i never got to do yeah it's the usphl but like to be honest that was probably the best that league's ever been i mean we had every all the leagues that weren't able to play all those kids were dropping down because the usphl was the only league that was allowing kids to do that only league running and so like i said like my brother was there right and so yeah i took a quarter off that i really wanted to kind of just live out a dream that i never got to do and it's interesting, like looking you up, it said you have a commitment graphic. The Cougars made you a, a commitment graphic to DePaul. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's You're literally wearing the DePaul gear. I know. Yeah, I know. We get, and they did that for Billy too. We were like, I reached out to them, like, what they just want the clout, which is totally, they did it for my brother, right? Like, my brother got drafted. They're like, or he didn't get drafted. He got listed, I don't know, at the time, I think it was like 46 on Central Scouting. They're like, congrats to Simon Mo too, Cougars alumni on, on getting named. And we're like, we're just laughing about it, right? Like, that picture is so funny to me. I'm like, wearing all my DePaul stuff. Clearly, I've already been there. And I was like, that, that, honestly, it's funny you found that because that, that was like, 
one hell of a moment. I gave him a good. I gave I gave the owners a good amount of shit for it. That's that's hilarious because I I was in the same boat. I remember junior hockey coaches reaching out, seeing Syracuse wasn't playing, and unfortunately there was wasn't a team close enough nearby where I could have just you know made that work because I was in the same boat. I never really had the junior hockey experience. I had the prep school experience in Maine. I looking your brother played at Berwick and Hebron. Yeah, um, and then. Plymouth State, that's like an hour from my house in New Hampshire. So it's a oh, small wow. world. I went to summer camp at Norwich when I was a kid. So no crazy. Shit. Yeah, Look at that. Yeah. No kidding, but I mean, we've covered a whole bunch and, and this has been great. We haven't even really gotten into last year at all. I know you mentioned it wasn't one of your best years personally, but you talk about the improvement that you've seen at DePaul since you were there. What were some memories from last year that kind of stick out to you? I think the biggest one, and wow, I was waiting for this question. Our biggest one, so our first series, we went down to Kentucky because we were supposed to play in during the COVID year and you know that didn't happen. And to be honest, like we had no idea what the fuck we were walking into. Like we had no idea how big that you know, how seriously they take it over there, what that crowd looks like. So that first game over there, we get absolutely shit pumped. We end up losing five nothing, but it was five nothing after the first 10 minutes of the game. We finally like figure it out in a sense, but we get smashed. We go to the hotel. Everyone's fucking in the room for like, what the fuck? It's uh, this going to be a long, like it's four in the morning, right? It's four in the morning. We're like, we're like, all right, like, what, what are we doing with our lives? We're staying in a shitty motel. I'm, I'm sure other people have stayed in that same hotel next to the strip club. The shit we're seeing over there is absolutely nuts. We finally get home, go to bed, right? Like, then we wake up. We wait another what, ten hours to play again, and we go into that game. Crowds giving it to us i mean i'm getting chirped because i got yanked out like the first game right like they're giving it to me search up my name found my sister found my mom absolutely going after everything and after the third or after the second period we're down 4-1 we're like holy fuck but it, i mean we were playing much better all of a sudden in the third period we we start you know we score 4-2 and like we were 4-3 we're like what the fuck's going on we scored two goals in a matter of like three minutes and then all of a sudden with like three minutes left in the game we tie it up 4-4 and then with legitimately 45 seconds left in the game we go down 5-4 we're like what the fuck's going on so we finished the game we're so pumped and i got chills telling the story we ran and we jumped on the glass towards the crowd they're spitting on us, throwing their beer on us. We couldn't believe what just happened. We got shit pumped by this team. They're fucking uh, like we're down four one, and all of a sudden we we're able to beat like a legitimate program that I believe they went to regionals last year, like Kentucky. And we we're like that turned our entire season around, and it was the second game. And that was like, I mean, that's probably my favorite to this day DePaul hockey moment that I've gotten to be a part of. Like shout out to Kentucky because what they do down there, I mean, holy shit, is that fu- is that fun? It sucks playing at midnight. Couldn't imagine doing that every weekend but wow the, the event they put on down there and that turned our entire season around just like like that and now you know heading into this season you mentioned the turnaround um you know the expectations high in the locker room we we, we start off the the interview talking about everything that's going right for you guys now I mean, what are the goals for this season? Believe it or not, DePaul used to be a legitimate hockey program and they went to nationals in 2009. And this is kind of this story of that, what they did over there kind of really impacted our relationship with school for a while. But, you know, they were just pumped to be there. They were shit, like they got ripping beers through the, the hotel. They, you know, they didn't really give a fuck what was going on. They weren't there to win and they get the cops called on them. And, you know, that turned into a whole thing, whatever. I'm not, I don't know enough about that story to speak on it, but going now, right? Like we, we think that looking around the room, like, I mean, we're talking, we got probably some of the best, you know, Illinois high school hockey players, top end AAA players, really like high level junior players, like all of a sudden, like I was talking about earlier, like the pieces came in and I think we're, we're, we're not going to accept anything less than at least making a run at nationals. I mean, we've 
qualified for playoffs at least the last three years or two years I've been here. But I mean, we haven't won a game, right? But I, I think we know around the room what we're capable of. I mean, we're really not going to settle for anything less than at least getting the nationals because I, we got that group this year. The way we started off this season definitely like opened a lot of eyes, at least to the teams that you know are used to playing us. We used to get shit pumped by Marion, shit pumped by Concordia, all like all these teams that just like would write us off, right? I think we're finally like proven like we're legit, and I think teams saw it coming. I don't think it was personally the best season for me last year, but as a team, we took an enormous jump. And that's what was most important to me, right? Like my, whatever, you look at my stats, I have a below 900 for the first time in, I don't know, five years. Honestly, as a team, we were winning games. We beat teams like Adrian, who who historically would probably shit pump us. I think building off of that, yes, that's the goal, but like, no, we're ready to kind of make a name for ourselves. We're, I think we got the like, the squad to do it. Our biggest issue last year was defense. We brought in six. Our entire decor is a brand new core. And like, we're talking like, you know, like I said, when I got here, you know, we had guys that kind of was like, oh, fucking, you know, dilly dally. This is men's league. And now we're talking guys that are here to win. You know, we're working out three, three days a week before our practices. We're on the ice three, four days a week including and not including, you know, the two games we play. Like, I mean, we're turning it into something that, listen, like, and I think it's special to me because like I was talking about earlier, like being a mission kid, like, like, fuck, it, not all those kids make it, right? Like not all those kids get to go play division one. They get to go to NTDP. They get the big, you know, division one, like commitments and, and the clout. And so we can build something. And this has kind of been where like, I, I've been coming from in a lot of this stuff. Like if we can build something to bring these kids in, to make them feel like, listen, I'm playing and it's not, you know, division one NCAA, but it's important hockey. Like these guys are here to win. And that's why your what your buddy said about, you know, we're playing for the love of the game. Like no one's telling us to do anything. No one's telling us to continue and try to push and grow. Like, as, like this year, you know, we raised $40,000, like not dues, not from the, what the school gives us. Like, and we had probably 35 companies sponsoring us from all over the entire country. Like I put the guys are going to, if you ask the guys are going to be like, oh, Asher was an asshole about the whole thing. But now that it's all over, they're like, wow, you know, they get to walk into the room. We got two sparks machines. We have an equipment manager, right? Like we, like all the guys got brand new apparel, brand new third jersey. We're going to be staying on, on really nice buses and really nice hotels. The entire experience is going up. That's probably the biggest thing that I think, I, I we had a club sports meeting, right? And like this guy's like, listen, like, you know, as a president, as a leader, like teammates, but like, you know, I'm serving these guys. And that's what I think I've really embraced. Like I'm here for these guys. I want them to enjoy and, and love what they do. And that's probably like the biggest kind of like, you know, whether I get thank yous or not, that's not why I do this. But seeing what like we've gotten to do here, like I touched on earlier, like, I mean, three years ago, we would never have even played a division one team. They wouldn't even looked at us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think a huge part of that too is not only guys playing for the love of the game, but it is interesting to see some of these ACHA teams, the the geography of their rosters. Like you look at Illinois, their whole roster is guys from Illinois. You mentioned your roster has a lot of Chicago guys on the team. You know, there's no Division One NCAA hockey in Illinois right now. And I know that is something that is, you know, been a huge mess the last couple of years because of the yeah. pandemic. It provides guys the opportunity like you to go home and play college hockey, you know, um, not everyone gets to say they can do that. And I think that's very appealing, especially 
for a program that's on the rise like DePaul. Uh, yeah, it's special. Like what we're doing here, you know, we even the little stuff, like we set up our first broadcasting stream and we got the guys, uh, we got guys who work for the Blackhawks to come in and do that for us. And part of that, you know, that was, you know, that was something I was really big on. And the guys before me that was the treasurer and the president, like, you know, they always would come to me and, you know, you know, we need more money. We need more money. Cause I had all these ideas, right? They're like, no, 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 we're not doing it. You're like, we don't have money for this. I was like, fine, we, we, we need more money. Like, let's go fucking get more money. That was my biggest thing this year. Cause unfortunately, as I'm sure everyone listening knows, like, you know, we get money from the school, right? Like we get, 50, we get a good amount, 50 grand. Then it goes all towards ice. Like people don't realize like we're, we're in one of the prime spots in the city. Ice is not cheap. We're spending $50,000 a year just to skate. So we get, we don't get to touch that money. The rest of what we need has to come from us. You know what? Like, I don't want these guys to have to come to school and pay five, $6,000 more to play hockey. I want to lower dues, make it so it's like, you know, way more appealing. And that's why, like, I've been so hard about raising the money, doing stuff like that, the broadcasting. I think our Instagrams, I mean, like I said, when I got here, 200 followers, we're almost at, I think 1.5 thousand, like that's big for us. We've done that in probably a year and a half. And a lot of that comes from like this whole Jersey giveaway that we did. But I think also part of it's cause like, I, I think we have a pretty good social media, honestly. Yeah, it's been awesome to watch you guys grow, and we are certainly stoked to see how you guys do this year and maybe see you guys later on in the year in Massachusetts for the the national tournament. That would be huge. Asher, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been awesome to watch you. I think you were one of the earlier followers of the Hockey House. I remember um, the image of you in the in the Cougars jersey, but with the DePaul <laughs> equipment and being a little bit confused by how that worked. Now I makes so much more sense to me thank you so much for your support and for joining us because i think like you said we we touched on a lot of important topics in in the acha tonight and and you're doing great things at depaul we can't wait to watch what happens this year yeah i appreciate you guys having me out and like i said and i think this comes from all of us like i mean the things you guys are doing for this league like we all owe you a big thank you because i think that acha hockey has taken off and will continue to take off and thanks for having me out right like i i you know i'm excited that I got to share my story, share the Paul hockey story. And, you know, I'm looking forward to a great, you know, season for us and wishing everyone out there, you know, the best of luck on their season. So yeah, thanks for having me out guys. Once again, thank you to Asher for joining the show and talking to us about all things to Paul that, Interview is brought to you by OptumX Sports. Be sure to check them out. Lots of games to watch for this week. We have the battle in North Dakota is back. The University of Jamestown and Minot State will be facing off at John Wilson Arena. Uh, it's going to be the first rivalry matchup for these two. I like to think that this is the ACHA's answer to the Battle of Alberta when these two teams from North Dakota go head-to-head. I can't wait for you, Mary, to join the scene next year. I know these teams play each other already, but throwing you, Mary, in that mix, I think the three teams going head-to-head all season long will, will be huge for the ACHA. Another game to watch out for, we have the St. Redbird Battle for I-55 presented by Optimex Sports. That is what we're calling this thing. The men's Division I team at Illinois State is facing off against the men's Division I Maryville team. Grossinger Motors Arena. Two white hot teams are colliding. And not only are they colliding, but all three of their men's teams are colliding this weekend. So that'll be one that we'll keep an eye on. As we mentioned earlier, Niagara is traveling 
traveling to Liberty to face off against the Flames. Niagara's kind of been rolling through the competition so far in upstate New York. They will head down to Lynchburg to take on the Flames at midnight on Friday. So that'll be one to watch for. On the women's side of things, we have Michigan State Division I women's team taking on the University of Michigan. This is a huge rivalry game. Michigan State will get to play host of the first matchup on Saturday. Moving on out west, we have in Division II action, Texas A&M taking on the University of Texas. I'm sure there will be plenty of horns up and horns down in this game at Spirit Ice Arena. It's the Lone Star Showdown. In ACHA 2, we also have NC State taking on UNC at Wake Competition Center. I'm sure this game will be packed for this in-state rivalry. Hopefully, again, this one can get played as well. And then on Sunday, we have the University of Cincinnati taking on Ohio State. Huge regional matchup in a big rivalry in Division 2. And then lastly, we have East Texas Baptist taking on Drury. Huge test for Drury against one of the best teams in Division 2 in the region. That leads us to the game of the week. I can't believe we've gotten the whole pod without mentioning this game of the week. It's kind of snuck up on us. We talked a lot about it over the summer, and it is finally here on Saturday, October 1st. NCAA, University of Denver, the defending national champions for the Division I NCAA level will host the number two ACHA team in the country, the University of Nevada Las Vegas Rebels at Magnus Arena in Denver. I think the entire ACHA community is, is pulling for the Rebels, which I think they might be one of the more hated teams in the ACHA, which is funny when this happens because it happened with LIU a couple of years ago when Liberty played them. It was like for one night and one night only, everybody Everybody's pulling for Liberty. I imagine it'll be the same thing on Saturday and they have a tall task at hand. Not only are they going on the road to face the defending national champions, but they got to do it at, at, at the early part of the season and UNLV has not played yet. So this will be a, an early test for them. You know, actually, no, I'm going to post this to Fitz, not to Murph specifically. If UNLV pulls off this upset, is it bigger than App State, Michigan? You just had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be bigger. I, I I think it would. Obviously, that App State one, that, that one's gonna go down in infamy. That's that's a tough one to swallow. I mean, obviously, we're we're gonna be pulling for for UNLV, but I think it's cool too that Denver's recognizing a, an ACHA team like this and actually willing to face them. In a, in a real game. Win or lose, I, I think it's a massive, massive step for ACHA hockey in general. I, I don't even want to think about that app state. That ugh. I'm trying to do the math right now. Like how many college like what what was Michigan ranked that year when that happened? Like they were six, right? Like they were they top, were top 10. ten team. Yeah. Okay. And so how many college football teams are between Michigan and App State at that time? A lot. I'm trying to like it, it might not like there might be less college hockey teams between Denver and UNLV. Herm is nodding his head. I think he's for sure that this is like UNLV is one of a top three team in the ACHA facing off against the top team in NCAA. They are 65 NCAA Division One teams, probably another 80 Division Three teams. And the numbers are pretty similar here. So I guess to make matters better for you, Fitz, because we keep bringing up the App State, it's been a tough week for App State football fans. The high of college game day has worn off for them, and they're uh, they're they're out of it at this point. But 
that's an interesting point, Herm. I think I think they're very similar in, in levels of of upsets here. I hope they play UNLV hockey. I I hope Flandy is in the face of this Denver goalie who's probably never seen anything like it before. That UNLV guys have a certain swagger to them, and I hope they just go out and compete and and, and shock the world on Saturday night. Murph, do you have any proclamations of what you're gonna do if UNLV pulls it off? Oh, I'm trying to. So when Liberty beat LIU, I I had. Oh, I'm not going to say that word because then that flags us. But I, I was in quarantine and I was on my couch, barricaded in my room, just watching ESPN Plus. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. It's like, I think we'd have to make shirts or something like, we, like <laughs> I, yeah, that's a, it's a crazy thought. I'm sure it'll happen in the moment. I don't want to plan something just to have, you know, the boys get blown out of the water, but it'd be huge for ACHA hockey. I'm, I'm so glad that Denver is doing this because a lot of times these teams just play Canadian universities. It doesn't really mean anything really cool for them because, you know, there are going to be 6,000 people that go to a game on Saturday night and get to see UNLV hockey for the first time, which is really cool. Um, to grow the game of college hockey in the U.S. That being said, I mean, I have Denver here. As much as I want the Rebels to win, the the fact that UNLV hasn't played yet is really tough. I think that first game of the season is never, rarely your best game. You know, I think if this was UNLV pre-Nationals, like we're talking about the lead up to Nationals, I think like this, the game's probably closer, but I think the defending national champions have enough pride where they're not going to get beat by an ACHA team on home ice. Herm, what do, you, do you have anything to add or you just... Sadly, Denver. Yeah. Sadly, Denver. It it pains me. I think everyone knows I want them to win badly, but just be realistic. Fitz, your pick. I'm Denver with you boys, but like we said, it it's it would be a cool thing if this could uh become a, a new thing that's consistent where NCAA D1 teams are looking to actually play against some of the top ACHA D1 programs. Collins is also going with Denver, uh, but Glick is riding with the ACHA. There is nobody more ACHA or die than Steven Glick. He mentioned it last week. He picked Bama because Bama was the ACHA team playing in the game, and he's sticking with his pick. He is going with the Rebels. He's picked UNLV to win this week, so we'll keep an eye on that. That leads us, though, to our question of the week, which comes from the guys at Selly Hockey Co. If there was an ACHA Super League with 12 teams, who would be in it? Uh, we've talked about this a couple times before, but I know in the ACHA, it feels like a lot of the same teams are at nationals every year. I know like in Massachusetts high school hockey, they have there. They used to have the elite eight, which was like the best eight teams in the state had their own playoffs. And then that gave it other teams a chance to, you know, play in the playoffs and have that experience. So if we were to create a super league with 12 teams that competed against each other all year long, I'm sure you could have teams move in and out of this league, but what would that look like? So I draft, I went first, so I'll read mine first. I have Liberty, UNLV, Minot State, Ohio, UMary, Maryville, Adrian, Jamestown, Illinois, UCO. Like you marry, not a division one team yet, but I think once they get to division one, they will be in the mix with all these teams. I had a couple other teams and I from the Northeast and I actually took them out because I was thinking, you know, there's a 12 team league. It's ACHA. Maybe it'll make travel a little easier. So I added UCO and Illinois in there just to make it a little more realistic because now you kind of got the Midwest is where most of this league is made up of. But that's kind of how I went with my picks fits. I'll let you go turn it over to you and let you give yours more of the 
same for me. Uh, Liberty, UNLV, Minot, Ohio, Maryville, Adrian, Jamestown, UCO. And then this is where I start to differ from Murph. Iowa State, Missouri State, Stony Brook, and Illinois State. A uh, little bit of recency bias with ISU there. Obviously just talking about them, but I like my Stony Brook pick. To be honest, I I never I never really knew about Stony Brook until we started doing this podcast. I'd heard of their their baseball team before. They went on a run one year, but I had never really known them to be a uh, strong hockey program. So, shout out to them and and Brendan Pepe, I you know, obviously got to play with him, so I, they for sure produce some some good talent. I'd throw Stony in there. Yeah, n- nothing else uh too crazy, I don't think. It's pretty much your uh your your expected list with the uh the top D1 programs. Did yours last? You said that you weren't influenced by us and I could tell by cuz some of your picks that you have. Walk us through who you have in your 12 team Super League. Sure. So I also want to preface that we had some discussion about the parameters of how this 12 team Super League could work. This honestly could be its own separate question of the week. My interpretation of it was like if you could pick any ACHA program to play at a top level, who would be in it? But I kind of stuck with what everyone else was going in terms of kind of picking from the top teams because I think it'd be cool if like Kentucky could play at like a top five ACHA men's one level and compete with like a Maryville. That'd be insane. Shocker, I pick Ohio first. Stony Brook, Adrian, Liberty, UNLV, UCO, Minot, Arizona, Maryville. And then this is where I start getting a little wild card. Niagara, Mary, and NC State. Uh, I think Tom is doing some really, really great things in Niagara in terms of building a solid program at all levels. They played a beautiful, beautiful facility. Mary, obviously, as we know, has been dominant at the men's two level. I expect them to continue to do so when they elevate to M1. And NC State, I think it's just a matter of time before they wind up making the jump to, to men's one as more teams, I imagine, in that region start following suit. I think this would be a cool graphic to post. I don't know how if it would get the engagement we're looking for, but it, just to pick people's brains and, and have them comment. Because I think my thing that I was thinking about, and we talked with Greg Powers when he came on, is not every ACHA team is competing with NCAA D3. As much as we like to say that, that's not the case. These teams that we just talked about are doing that. Like if you had a 12-team Super League that you could look at and be like, those teams are better than Anna Maria. They're better than Worcester State. They're better than Finlandia. Like those are the teams that could give Division Three teams a run for their money. Um, it would be it would be a really cool idea. And maybe that's its own question. How do you determine this Super League? We have something to watch out for. So great question this week. Thank you, Sally Hockey, for providing that. If you have questions going forward, feel free to just shoot us DMs. We we love uh, having people submit questions for the week. So uh, that's awesome. And lastly, I'll turn it over to Herm as we wrap up the pod here. Boys, if you're sending in DMs, I worked so hard on that forum. Please stop sending us photos and videos through the DMs. I'm not touching any of it, especially if it's just some shitty video that you've taken from Snapchat. And if you're going through the forum and you're submitting photos and videos and you're the player and you check yes for the I created the content option and aren't the photographer, I'm not touching anything from your team for a month. Straight up. You ruin it for everyone. I check every single submission and I go through 
every part of the form. If you mess it up, you ruin it for everyone. Please don't. That being said, we do want people submitting stuff. We enjoy it. It is fun to go through at the end of the weekend and see everything that's been sent to us. Uh, as much as Herm is ragging on it, I think we've got a lot of great photo submissions from the week, uh, which we're very excited about to showcase. But it is really the best way. Uh, we've been doing this for a while now. We've tried multiple different things. I think this is really the best system. We'll keep reminding guys to, to send it to us because it makes it easier for the players. If you really want something, we will take it if you do it through the right channels. You know, like I said, it makes it easier on both ends here. Uh, and that's what it's all about, making it easier for everybody here because uh, we're all in the same boat, you know, playing for the love of the game and, and you know, creating stuff to make the game better and grow the game here. So that being said, wishing everybody best of luck this weekend. Fitzy, take us away. We'll see you next week. Spooky season is here. Uh, have a good one, boys.